Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified, that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted as always to be with you. Remember the podcast, one and a half million downloads strong. You can join us, Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Look. You can song and dance. You can lipstick the pig. You can try every trick in the book to try to create a faux illusion of a man who has always been a mental midget, if you will. Joe Biden is no stamina when it comes to the world of cognition. He's always been a dope. And so try as they might to sell the idea of Joe Biden. And look at all that he's done. If I went onto the street and I asked 50 people, tell me something beneficial that Joe Biden has done for your life. What do you think I would be told? Good. Uh... I don't know. I know my mortgage is out of control. My rent is out of sight. I know my food prices are crazy and I can't save the way I used to. Other than that, I got nothing. You fiddle with somebody's finances, that is the great equalizer. I don't care what you look like. I don't care your zip code, how many zeros are in your bank account. It does not matter. But if you cannot feed your family, save and feel secure... Six in ten Americans living paycheck to paycheck. The vast majority of them, if presented with an emergency expense over $600, wouldn't know how to pay for it. Please. Janet Yellen trying her best to, I don't know what the hell she was trying to do yesterday. All the wrong people in all the wrong positions. First of all, it's like putting a screwdriver in my eyeball to hear her speak. Drives me crazy. But then you add 
the obvious lies and the spinning of a legacy of suck to create this bipartisan rah-rah celebration. It's offensive. And it's not just offensive to this 53-year-old mom. It's offensive to people from all stripes, all walks, all everything. And you're going to hear that coming up in some polling. Yesterday, we were intrigued by Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, sitting down with the Squawk Box, CNBC. And so here she is, Janet Yellen, speaking with Andrew Ross Sorkin. And we're going to be talking about this New York Times-Siena College poll, which we dropped on you last week, that indicates 59% of those under the age of 30 basically think the economy stinks. They're not stupid. If you are spending more than you're bringing in or you're breaking even and you realize that you're working two jobs just to stay afloat, you have to scratch your head and say, I don't recall this stress prior to Joe Biden. How do you answer that question, Madam Secretary? How do you respond to these polls that show young people think you and this administration suck? Go. A recent poll by the New York Times and uh, Siena College finding 59% of voters under 30 rate the economy as poor. So You know, philosophically and sort of intellectually, you can look at a lot of these numbers and say, "This man, this is a a great economy in so many ways on a relative basis to history and the like. But at the same time, you have poll numbers and others saying that they don't feel it. Yeah, I'm aware of that. And I think it's our job to um, explain to Americans what President Biden has done to improve the economy. That's the problem. You just need to explain better. Is that right? People don't understand. You people are too stupid. You don't know what's going on. We've done a bad job with the messaging. There's a message. It's called economics. And if you don't have money... Your life gets stressful. When you can't pay your bills, Santa Claus coming to town is a scary idea. And we have an administration that's pushing utter nonsense. Madness. Let's fall over backwards for the L's, the B's, the G's, the T's. But all of you at home who are just trying to make ends meet, pay your taxes, be a good person, do the right thing. You want the government out of your bedroom and out of your life. Well, you're going to pay for it. By the way, how many more billions can we send to Ukraine? So the guy in Squawk Box pushed back. You know, okay. Inflation, though. Eh, inflation's not good. And she's going to say, well, she's going to do the, the KJP talking point. This, this, uh, this administration, this president has brought inflation down. This president caused it, you hack. This is the firefighter arsonist. I was there first on the scene. If it weren't for me and my adept ability to sniff out fire and flames, can you imagine how much worse the situation would be? Thank goodness I was there. Well, you started the fire. So then there's that. Audio soundbite number two. 
So I think we're making considerable progress in bringing inflation down. And we saw this clearly in last week's news. Um, 12 month headline inflation is down to 3.2 percent. That's um, down almost six percentage points from its high. But although um, prices in general are rising much less quickly, Americans still see uh, increases in some important prices, including food from uh, where we were prior to the pandemic. And um, th this remains notable to people who uh, go to the store and shop or rents, although they're rising less quickly now, are certainly higher than they were before the pandemic. So I do think we're making <laughs> considerable progress in bringing inflation down. But um, Americans do notice higher prices from what they used to be accustomed right. to. Oh, my gosh. The guy in the squawk box is like, oh, my gosh, let it end. Brock, what did you just text me? Who knew? Who knew being poor was just messaging problems? You just don't understand. <laughs> I'm <Brock>. broke. <laughs> no, you're, you're looking not. at it the wrong way. No, it's, you're not. <laughs> you, we have your money in taxes. It's just not in your pocket. You're we're, looking at it the wrong we're way. We're bringing the cost of inflation down. Though anybody who goes to the store to buy food is noticing that that's not really true. That would be all of us. You're not poor. You're just being frugal. <laughs> you're just hungry. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference, right? Hey, ramen noodles, can I still buy stock? <laughs> My goodness. So so she's going to tell you, look, no, it's it's our messaging issue. We've done so much great stuff. Like, it's super duper. I mean, look at mortgage rates. They're four times higher than when we came in. That's victory. We love that. How about the average first-time homeowner's age now is 49 it used to be in the 20s. You think my adult sons, my oldest two sons, could in any fashion save enough money to buy a house? No. And the point is to destroy the American dream. It's the soft bigotry of low expectations, right? Once we teach you that this is the new way, then you're going to stop trying. Stop. Don't dream. Don't work hard. What are you doing? The government can giveth all that you needeth. Well, that's why this article, how inflation of eight, 18%, think about that, 18% under Joe Biden is decimating Americans. 18. In short, it's costing American families thousands of dollars every year more just to keep the same food on the table, to drive the same type of car, to live in the same home as when Joe Biden was elected. You're not making any headways financially. You're not squirreling for tomorrow. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big on the horizon lover. Gotta have something to look forward to on the horizon. What are you looking forward to? An IRS audit? You are under Joe Biden. Maybe staying away from bankruptcy for another month? Joe Biden gave you that. Thanks, Janet. You suck, too. All right. I feel so much better when we're able to discuss these things, don't you? Hey, coming up, CNN 
picks up where NBC left off. Harry Enten, the very emphatic data guy at the at the TV big screen. Oh boy. <laughs> it's next on the Wendy Bell Radio program. So I love the the shock. It's shock and awe. <laughs> In the media, as though they've been asleep and they have been for how many years? Are they all of a sudden realizing that it's situation critical and that people are jumping ship out of the Democrat realm, Democratic Party realm? They're not pondering. They're not like, I don't know where to go. They're going Trump. And that's horrifying to them because you've lost them. On Monday, CNN senior data reporter Harry Enten. Well, he shared with us some poll results that... uh <clears throat> Ain't looking good for Joe and Co. Particularly regarding his handling of the Israel Hamas conflict. There was no handling of anything. There was him flying in for a photo op so Corinne Jean Pierre could wax poetic about he's the first president to fly into a war zone without the military. You know, shut up. So I want you to hear, and if you can, I want you to imagine in your mind's eye some flailing arms, a little bit of like, holy mackerel. I can't tell if he's acting or if he's legit surprised that people think Joe sucks as much as we do. So here is Harry Enten and CNN shocked by a poll spelling doom for Joe Biden. Go country about how President Biden is handling Israel's war with Hamas uh, and age seems to be a factor as well. CNN senior data reporter Harry Enten joining us now with this morning's numbers. So Harry, when we look at the numbers, uh, this is a major divide as we've been talking about all morning. What do they show us? Yeah, I mean, it's not just a major divide amongst Americans. It's a major divide amongst Democrats. All these numbers are amongst Democrats. So Biden's handling of the Israeli Hamas war Look at this divide. These numbers are bonkers, frankly. So if we look amongst those 18 to 34, these are Democrats, keep in mind, just 24 percent of Democrats under the age of 35 approve of his job performance on this war. Compare this to Democrats over the age 65 and older. Look at that. 77 percent approve. I've never seen an age gap quite like anything like this in politics. And this goes even fundamentally deeper. Sympathies in the Middle East conflict. Again, Democratic voters that we're looking at here. Look at this. Voters under the age of 35, just 16 percent say their sympathies lie more with the Israelis. The overwhelming majority, a supermajority of those under the age of 35 against amongst Democrats, 74 percent say their sympathies lie more with the Palestinians. You jump up to those 65 and older, very different. 45 percent say the Israelis versus just 25 percent say the Palestinians. So very big age divide. It also goes deeper in terms of how much the U.S. should continue to support Israel. What does it tell us? Yeah, it goes even deeper than that, Poppy. So let's take a look here. So is it in the U.S. interest, is it in our national interest to continue to support Israel? Amongst those under the age of 35, look at that, just 40 percent say yes, it is, compared to 52 percent say no, it isn't. You compare that to those voters 65 and older, again, Democrats, 87 percent say it is, compared to just 7% say, no, it isn't. So perhaps it isn't surprising. Should we give Israel more military aid for its war versus Hamas? Look at this. Against among, again, amongst Democrats, just 21% support it. Compare that to those 65 and older, 53% support it. Those under the age of 35, 77% oppose it. Guys, I know I've used crazy words in this segment, 
But frankly, I've just never seen anything like this. Again, this is among Democrats within his own party. It's amazing that Harry Enten doesn't realize that he, too, was probably groomed in college by activist professors. This isn't anything new. I have one college grad, one going to graduate in May, one on the way and two in the pipeline. This is nothing new. You guys were in college, many of you. You remember the activist teachers you had? The ones who had wild ideas, and if you didn't regurgitate their wild ideas, you ran the risk of getting a bad grade, and so you found yourself in a conundrum. Am I going to stand up for what I believe in, what I believe is right, because that's supposed to be what we learn in college, not how to think or what to think, but how to think, right? Or... Am I going to actually get the grade I need? And even if I have to eat a poo pie to do it, I have to do it. Harry Enten, shocked, according to this Quinnipiac poll, only 24% of Democrats under the age of 35 approve of Joe Biden's performance in dealing with the whole Middle East thing. 77% of the older Democrats approve of him. Well, there is a huge divide, ladies and gentlemen. We're seeing matriculate before our very eyes every single year another generation of social justice virtue signaling warriors meanwhile the older democrats who are like i approve they don't realize that their democratic party is off the progressive socialist marxist communist cliff it is unrecognizable remember This is the party of the KKK. This is the party of slavery. This is the party now of total bonkers bananas. Say what? And you're seeing it in the polling. Young people saying what's really going on. Now, we got to switch in this next segment. I want to talk to you a little bit about Donald Trump and something he put out on Truth Social. Don't follow him often on Truth Social. We're busy covering other things. But he said something that I think is a very interesting warning shot to the RNC, specifically to Ronna McDaniel. We'll tell you all about it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. You know, I hear a lot of people say they like neither party. I don't like Democrats. I don't like Republicans. I trust no one. I get it. I get it. And I think because of these events of the last several years, we've seen the uniparty for truly what it is. And like I said to you, I believe the uniparty is a survival apparatus in an environment predicated on bribery. And blackmail. And the Uniparty sticks together. Both factions, both parties, people come together, they stick together, they vote together, they look after each other because they know there's some dirt on them somewhere that would cost them. And when you fail upwards into the halls of Congress, that's a big deal for a lot of people. That's power. For a lot of people, that's a lifetime appointment. Insider trading, all sorts of extra perks, bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. Three months off. Who wouldn't want that? But when I look at the parties and I look at the extremes, 
what Harry Anton was just saying on CNN, he's never seen anything like it. He was looking at the Democrat voters in a group. And he was separating those 35 and, and younger and then separating those 65 and older. And there is a seismic shift in priorities in those two groups. I've never seen anything like it, he said. See, what those older Democrats are slower to pick up, I think, and maybe it's based on their news saturation and the, the choices they make in order to get educated in terms of news of the day. Their party left them. Their party has gone hardcore left. It is indistinguishable from, let's just say, the 1970s, 1980s Democrat Party. That was for the working guy, for the unions, for that sort of stuff. Now, all of a sudden, it's completely bonkers off the rails. We've, go, we've now gone into the, the fringe ideas of normalizing body mutilation of children, right? Where teachers can intervene on behalf of a parent and parents aren't made aware that their child is being groomed. We've seen all these wacky people protesting, going bananas. The love affair with Black Lives Matter, which was nothing other than a communist front and a sham to enrich a few people, but basically force businesses to give money to an idea which allowed them to be virtue signaling DEI compliant corporations. So when you look at the Republican Party through that lens, we've also changed But I don't think that the right wing of the Republican Party is dangerous. I don't believe these people pose a threat to others. I believe these people are fiercely constitutional. They believe in what our founding fathers worked so hard to iterate in the pages of the Declaration and the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have a a namby-pamby, moderate, squishy, invertebrate form of Republicans. And then you have the collateral pushback wing of the Republican Party saying, no, no, no. See, we need more protection. We need more ability to remember what the First Amendment is all about, to remember what the Second Amendment is all about. So you have these extremes, if you will, on the left, uber extreme, indefensible. Anybody who's got rational common sense can't describe, can't defend, I should say. Crazy town. And the right-sided extreme wing, people who love America, people who believe in making America great again. Which side do you fall on? Well, Ronna McDaniel is the the head of that wishy-washy invertebrate side of the RNC, the uniparty side. And after the midterm loss, after the primary losses that we saw on November 7th, a lot of people, Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the most notably on live television, calling for her to just go away. Beat it. You're a cancer. You're purposefully thwarting the plans of the Republican Party that believes we've gone Way off the rails. This is the first time I've heard Donald Trump talk about it, though. That's why this is significant. This is an article on the post-millennial. It says breaking. This was yesterday. 
President Trump demands change at RNC if they do not end primary debates and focus funds on elections. I agree with them. Why are we having debates? Barring something cataclysmic, Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. What more do we need to know? He says, stop with the debates. Let's get a unified party. Let's spend our time, our energy, our resources wisely. And let's go after the Democrats. I get it. In a Truth Social post made Monday, 2024 GOP frontrunner Donald Trump called for the Republican National Committee to cease primary debates and spend that money to take down Democrats in the fast approaching election. And he says, basically, if you don't do this, we need a new leader of the RNC. And when the head of the Republican Party, who is undeniably President Donald Trump, when he says that, Ronna McDaniel better be paying attention. Trump noted a Harvard-Harris poll, I'm going to talk to you about that momentarily, released the same day, which found Trump to be 58 points ahead of Ron DeSantis and ahead of Joe Biden by six. RNC must save money on lowest ever ratings debates. Use it against the Democrats to stop the steal. If not, revamp the RNC now, he said. Of course, the RNC primary debates, of which there have been three so far, fourth scheduled for December, have consistently been a debate for second place, as Trump obviously hasn't attended. He instead partook in an interview with Tucker Carlson. He's been on the campaign trail with fellow GOP candidates regularly dozens of points behind him in the polls. During the third debate that took place in early November, candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, as you know, took aim at the RNC and chair Ronna McDaniel, noting the losses Republicans suffered during the off-year election that took place earlier this month. We've become a party of losers. At the end of the day, there is a cancer of the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. Since Ronna McDaniel took over as chair of the RNC, we've lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave. It never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. I think we have to have accountability in our party. Donald Trump is saying he agrees. Hey, Rana, you have been put on notice, love. And the notice is knock it off with the time wasting. Period. I think he's right. We're watching that. So let's talk about this. Harvard-Harris poll. Donald Trump leads Biden by six points, GOP field by 58. 67% of voters. 67% of voters say they would cast their ballot for Trump compared to DeSantis, who received just nine. 9% support in second place. Here's the story. Just months before the first primaries and caucuses of the 2024 election, GOP frontrunner Donald Trump has a commanding lead over the rest of the Republican field and even over Joe Biden in the national election with a substantial margin, 48 to 41 ish percent. Fifty nine percent of voters said that Biden should not run for a second term, while 50 percent said the same for Trump. 
in a head-to-head rematch between the two. 48% of voters said they would cast their ballot for Trump. 41% Biden. 11% not sure yet. How are you not sure? How are you not sure? Better off, worse off. You like America now, you liked it better then. What do you think? Eh, I don't know. I haven't suffered enough to make my own assessment, apparently. Now, how about this? The Harvard-Harris poll found that a staggering 67% of voters would vote for Trump in the GOP primary. This is nearly 60 points over Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who lies in second place, 9%. Coming in at third by a narrow margin is former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy is in fourth with 5%. Chris Christie, three points for fifth. Bye-bye. Now, why are these people still in the race? Why is Chris Christie still in the race? And one could argue, why is Vivek Ramaswamy still in this race? We like to hear what he has to say. He brings up good points. He certainly does. We need to get behind one person. One person, one mission, and one mission only. Period. It is not negotiable. When asked what their second choice would be, 28% of voters said DeSantis, Ramaswamy, 18, Haley, tied for third alongside those who were unsure at 16%. Overall, 65% of voters said they believe Trump will win the Republican primary. Duh. 84% of GOP voters and 70% of independents responded that way. 56% of Democrats said they believe he will lose. That Trump will lose. Really? Now, this is where the conversation is going to get interesting in the next hour. Because we are going to have an expert, a professional pollster. This is his life. He knows the numbers. What is a good poll? This one, Harvard Harris, 2,851 registered voters nationwide. And I want to know, what does he, his name is Rich Barris, what does he see when you add RFK Jr.? Or any of these other third-party candidates. Is that good for Donald Trump? Is it good for Joe Biden or whomever the presumptive person will be? I don't know. Pay attention to what happens in the RNC. If they're going to continue along this path of debates that make no sense, that nobody cares about, that we talk about for about 10 minutes and move along from, Is Donald Trump going to pull the plug on Ronna McDaniel? My vote? Hell yes. Hell yes. It's not even a question. When we come back, what do you think? Should these lesserling candidates like even Vivek Ramaswamy get out now or stick along with it? Interesting article I want to read to you. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. of the nonsense of people behaving poorly do you think is because of jealousy I think it's an awful lot jealousy is a color that looks good on nobody 
And it can cause a sane, rational human being to be berserk and just go nutty. There is a there is a component of the liberal mind that I don't understand because it's rooted in this inherent jealousy. And it's really dark. If we could psychoanalyze it and dig into the, the depths of the brain and see what's going on inside there. There's this huge comparison game going on. If you have more than I do, if things are better for you. See, we used to just allow people to be and to say, oh, isn't their house just beautiful? Nowadays, it's all jealousy. And there's a decided effort to take down those who do well, those who are successful. Nothing galls the left more than Donald Trump doing well, than Tucker Carlson taking a situation that was probably the the best thing that could have happened to him in many ways. They can't stand the fact that he's made lemonade out of that. And he's cashing in all the way at the bank. Can't stand it. They want you as miserable, as angry, and as guilty as they are. That's weird. It's just super weird. I have to say, and it's not a flattering personal commentary, I am woefully apathetic about most people. I really don't care. Don't care. I wish the best for people. I don't like when people suffer. But I'm not inherently all that interested in what anybody is doing. I got five kids. I've got two jobs. And Brock. (laughs) Life's complicated. But I think we're seeing a very interesting change in perception because when you boil past, you get past all of the silly nuance of jealousy and emotion and all this silly stuff that goes along with being Democrat. When it boils down to dollars and cents, under which president is your life better? There is no debate. And I think we're seeing this in this new Iowa caucus poll. Look, he can be ahead 60 to 9. He can be ahead in this one 44 to Haley and DeSantis apparently tied at 17. Do you guys really believe that? Nikki Haley, 17%. Come on. Do you guys really think Nikki Haley is the future of America? Because somebody told Nikki Haley, it's time for a woman. We need a woman president. Why? You know what I want? I want the best president. I don't care what you look like. I don't need to get on some raw, raw female bandwagon and beat it just so we can say we have our first female president. How's that working for how did that work for for uh, New Zealand? That'd go well for you guys with Lucinda Ardern, who's clearly crazy. according to Iowa caucus goers. And this is going to be big. And it's coming up, and it's coming up quick. January, a statewide survey of 
800 likely Republican caucus goers, this is in Des Moines, reveals nearly half of the respondents are planning to support Donald Trump at the January 15th GOP caucus. Air, I think it's pretty interesting. Ambassador Nikki Haley, Governor Ron DeSantis were in a dead heat coming in at 17 each. Vivek Ramaswamy garnering just 5%. This is why I say to you, at what point does Vivek, no matter how eloquent he is, how shrewd he might be, how easily off the cuff he can espouse his conservative values and in a respectful way skewer people who are lesserlings, At what point did he, Chris Christie, Doug Burgum, and for the love of all that is holy, Asa Hutchinson, who is your campaign manager? Ronna McDaniel? Time to move along, folks. We need to focus the message. What do folks in Iowa care about? Well, I'm going to go with they probably care an awful lot about corn and ethanol because they're major makers of it and exporters of it. And this is an alternative to lunatic fringe. Everybody has to drive an electric car. No, we can make fuel that is cleaner, that is accessible, that we can provide jobs. Good, hard, hardworking, but well-compensating jobs with. They're going to want to hear these stories. They're going to want to hear these candidates. The importance of this biofuels, such as expanding access and growing demand for them. Obviously, several candidates now making a lot of time in Iowa. I want to ask Rich Barris, and he's coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program. I want you to hear this because it is an important conversation. What is he seeing in the tea leaves? How long do we continue with debates, with this Chorus of voices who will not be able to unseat Donald Trump. How long do we continue the charade before we finally just say, can we get real? Can we put egos and all the other jazz jealousy aside and focus on victory? Because victory in the Republican Party, victory for we conservatives is victory for the United States of America. Coming up next, pollster Rich Barris, director of big data polling, the truth on the Wendy Bell Radio Network.